Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets. With Chip Nellinger, this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. And since harvest is just around the corner, get yourself a 3% discount on Alliance Combine Tires and Rims for the month of June for any Moving Iron Podcast listeners. So take full advantage of that, folks. Also, Tractor Zoom Delivering Insights. If you're looking to see what's going on in the auction market, which right now is the best time to pay attention to what's going on in any kind of market, uh, especially the auction market, uh, use... Um, Moving iron at checkout when you look at iron comps and you get yourself another discount. So I have uh, Chip Nellinger here from Blue Agri Marketing with us, and he's nice enough to come on once a week to talk about what's going on. It's been a little bit, though, uh, between his schedule and my schedule. We've had a couple rough couple weeks here trying to get hooked up, but we finally got back together here. So, Chip, how you been, man? Well, been uh, been doing well. These markets are starting to get uh, crazy, so it's prime time we uh, chat again because we're right in the middle of very uncertain weather and uh, the markets are really flying all over the place now yeah so flying all over the place is a understatement because so we had a couple weeks here the first part of may we had a couple weeks where there's some profit taking that kind of turned into some um kind of bearish news and and they were kind of kind of selling back in you know corn came off about a dollar fifty or so then over the last couple of weeks here we've seen some runs up and runs downs and you know 40 cent swings and days and and even yesterday there is a 13 to 15 cent swing um well actually a 30 cent swing in the overall um interday volatility so this volatility thing that we've been talking about is is really ramping up and really starting to kind of show its uh its ugly side here it is it is and uh you know it's really kind of the perfect storm brewing we've got huge demand We've got tight stocks, and now, which raises the bar that to a high level that we have to raise a big crop this year, and now we've got you know the makings of a real weather problem in the Dakotas right now, potentially expanding a little bit, and some of that volatility yesterday. You know, you mentioned I think we had like a thirty-three or thirty-four cent range in corn, and um, I think almost uh, sixty cents in beans. And it's, it's weather model driven and, you know, some of the midday weather model runs added some rain and some cooler temperatures a week out, week and a half out for the Dakotas. And then here overnight, 
the uh, European model, which has been more accurate recently, uh, kept things uh, very hot, very dry in the extended forecast. And so we put most of what we lost yesterday put back on uh, to corn and beans in the overnight because of that drier model. So, you know, there's um, going to be more of this and, and probably wilder swings as we get deeper into June and, and July. But the bullseye right now is the Northern Plains, the Dakotas, and it doesn't stop there. It, it really extends up into the Canadian prairies. And, uh, you know, they raise a lot of spring wheat, canola, some soybeans up there. And so it's, uh, you know, <laughs> I guess multinational yeah. uh, crosses the border in extremely dry weather up there. You have reports of, you know, farmers that have replanted some some corn and beans that may not come up that need to replant some stuff due to some frost issues and, you know, getting a little bit too late, but probably not enough moisture in the ground to, to do that. So it is a real problem there. They need rain very quickly. Um, people up there feel like they don't matter in the big scheme of things, but but they really do because of the extra acreage that was planted up there this year and the tightness of stocks you know i think i read something here um a few weeks back that the dakotas produce about 10 percent of the total corn crop and i think 12 or 13 percent of the total bean crop and so it every bushel matters this year as tight as it is and and all eyes are on the dakotas and their weather situation right now Yes, this weather thing is is starting to creep up. I know there's some areas that have that have gotten a lot of rain. Um, you know, out where I'm at right now, I mean, we've gotten some rains. Things are good and green. You know, it, it looks nice, but there's there's not a lot of soil profile there, water uh, profile in the soil. And you know, so these these next three or four days here, where we've got some, you know, 90 plus degree temperatures and some wind, it won't take long to dry that out and we'll start seeing things kind of go sideways. Obviously, we're irrigated, but there's only so much that you can irrigate before you, you run out of your water allotment and, and those kind of things. So I guess, Chip, you know, wheat harvest is going on right now. We got custom, got the custom run started. You know, they're halfway through Oklahoma working their way into Kansas. And uh, I, I guess as, as you take a look at that, that wheat market and some of the customers you've talked with, what are you hearing about the bushels coming out of, of Oklahoma, Texas, and, you know, as they kind of ease into Kansas a little bit here, what are you hearing about that? And then, Right now, I'm seeing like overnight spring wheat was up 11 to 12 cents. A lot of that has to do with the drought situation. But are the bushels there that we've talked about? <clears throat> are the bushels there from what um, you know what we've seen from these crop tours and those kind of things? Yeah, it seems like uh, that that they are, and and I think uh, you know going back to this winter, it's it's amazing just how cold for how long it was that. The, the wheat crop made it through that. And, and I think something that helped were some really beneficial rains, you know, in those areas, the Texas panhandle up through Oklahoma and Kansas, really uh, un, unseasonable, if that's the word, but uh, unusual amounts of rain at perfect time for the, that crop development. So I think that added some bushels to, to that crop. And, and this is normally a time of year where the wheat market has a hard time going higher because of harvest right and the supply is there and farmers selling right off the combine and so wheat is a follower but it's been going up as well because of the spring wheat situation you know obviously um, the dakotas montana 
Canadian prairies that are, uh, you know, so dry right now, raise a lot of spring wheat. So the spring wheat crop uh, prices have, have just skyrocketed. Um, and that's in addition to corn, and that's helped drag, you know, Chicago and, and Kansas City wheat higher as well. And, um, you know, might be that perfect opportunity here. We've had big swings that allows these uh, producers that normally, uh, you know, not everyone does, but there's not a lot of storage out in that part of the uh, southern plains. Um, and, and so a lot of wheat is sold right out of the combine, off the combine. And, and so we've got a nice little rally here that, you know, is kind of helping uh, benefit uh, maybe the pocketbook of, of those wheat farmers that do sell right off the combine and haven't for contracted yet so it's been uh, it's been a little bit of a uh, a windfall from that aspect as spring wheat prices have have helped uh, drag kansas city and, and chicago wheat higher all right let's let's jump down here and let's talk about um this uh cyber attack from jbs so it looks like everything's back up and running from from may 30th uh attack but that's still you know there's still another you know, who knows how long before they get back to full, the full swing of production. So talk about the cattle market we see there. And then, you know, how is this going to really, is this, is this another Tyson fire type thing? Or is this, is this going to be something that's not going to be nearly as, as bad as, as that situation? Well, I don't think it's going to be as bad, assuming that they're past that and they do get back to, to full swing here. And, um, some of the news has been less than uh, crystal clear, right? I right. mean, it's yeah, it's hard to get a, a, a real handle on that. But it does appear that they're slowly getting getting back at it. So if if that's a you know past us, I, I don't think it's as bad as the Tyson fire. Um, the cattle market was struggling anyway with some capacity issues and labor issues and you know, getting, um, the, the efficiency there that we've had in the past and getting, you know, getting cattle through the system and, and, uh, onto the chains there. And, and so this didn't help the cause any, it, it shot box beef higher. It did probably help drag the cash cattle market higher this week. Um, I do think that seasonally you normally start seeing, and we have seen weights come down a little bit and you'll continue to see that into summer and, and that'll help. And I think the numbers, the, the sheer numbers of cattle um, will will shrink as well. We're getting past some of these big numbers, and that'll help. But we still got some issues there as far as, you know, the, the labor. It's not just restaurants and, and that industry that can't find people to to work. It's, uh, it, it's across the entire economy, and the packing industry uh, is feeling that as well. And they're having a hard time running at 100%, um, you know, capacity right now. Yeah. And and that's kind of a double whammy because we've had a, a big number of heavy cattle. And and so uh, it's it's hard to get that through the system. But I think we're towards the end of that. Hopefully this JBS thing is a is a one off and they're and they're behind that and get back to you know uh, normal there. And if that's the case, it, it should just be a little blip and um, you know, take you know, by this time next week probably be uh, in the rearview mirror and you know back to back to normal so to speak so let's hope that's the case but it's been a little bit uh murky getting the you know all the news and details and information uh from that sector so 
let's hope they've got uh, that fixed and aren't still battling uh, that ransomware, cyber attack, whatever that was. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so the other thing, too, pork prices are slowly starting to move up a little bit. We're, you know, it kind of hog prices have kind of stayed in a, in a pretty attractive range here of late. So talk about the pork market we see happening there. Yeah, so that's um, its own bull market, right? right. I mean, that, and that goes back a year, year and a half, too, where um, during the COVID shutdown and the, and the issues the packing plants had then during the closures, it really caused a lot of liquidation uh, of both market-ready animals as well as, um, you know, sows being liquidated. And now you got big demand by, you know, China's been there, massive buyer for, you know, many, many months. And at a time when supply is shrinking and, you know, you get, see the effects of that um, supply and demand work if you let it. And so we're seeing high priced hogs here. And I, I do think we're maybe getting past some of our own, um, you know, some of the PERS issues that we had, some of our own health issues here domestically. Uh, guys that I've talked to, um, you know, the uh, pigs per litter seems to have uh, taken a run higher here. So point being, I think there's an old saying, the cure for high prices is high prices, right? And the cure for low prices is low prices. What that means is low prices take away production. And, you know, if demand is steady, then prices rise. As prices rise to high levels and we're up, we're not at record all-time highs, but we're within shouting distance. You know, we're trading here just under 120 in the hogs. All-time highs have been, I think, in the mid-130s. So, relatively speaking, we're in the, you know, upper 90-some percentile of all-time high prices. So, what that's going to do is stimulate extra production, right? And uh, and I think you're starting to see that. So, we still probably have, you know, six, eight weeks of, of prime, you know, demand time ahead of us. Uh, normally, in a normal year, throughout covid you know, July, August is kind of the peak in, in grilling and, and meat demand uh, here domestically. And then you kind of see prices peak in hogs and, you know, head back down into fall with increasing production. This might be thrown off a little bit because of the way we're reopening and, you know, all the COVID issues here with states reopening and, and uh, you know, the vaccine. And it just seems like that's kind of we're getting past some of that stuff. And, and so that might extend that demand a little bit. But uh, you have to be on the lookout here with these higher prices. It will eventually and probably likely already has started increasing production. I think we're past some of the health issues, pigs per litter going up. And, you know, I think from a risk management standpoint, our producers really have to look at these deferreds and, and really start thinking about um, getting a little more aggressive here uh, at some point in the very near future. Um, they never ring a bell and tell you, Hey, this is the top, right? And prices break and you get lulled into thinking, oh, you know, we've seen this break before and we're going to be back into, into new highs again. And, and, you know, when the top comes, it doesn't, it takes people by surprise. And I think you're, you're getting closer and closer to that, but uh, that's been the one bright spot of the, you know, livestock industry has been the hog market. And uh, it's been a, a real benefit to hog producers. They've been beat up for several years and really weren't in really good shape. So this has really uh, been a breath of fresh air for that industry. Yeah. 
Yes, it has. It's uh, we've seen a, a sustained amount of, of profitability here that you haven't seen for some while. All right, so let's talk about uh, well, last thing here, and we'll kind of wrap it up with this. So Brazil is. I don't know the best way to put it. I mean, yeah, they've had some rains and they've had some things happen, but um, there's still some some dryness down there that they've talked about. And about every week they come out with a new forecast and some some private estimates have come out, and, and every week they're a little bit lower than they were the week before. So how is that going to start? Is that is that Brazilian market plus a couple of what we got up here? I mean, are we really, is that really – how much of that Brazilian crop is factored into what we're seeing happening up here right now as far as the volatility goes? And also, is um, the volatility that we see now is primarily just based around kind of the weather situation we've seen in the U.S.? Yeah, so that's a great question. And, and you know, <laughs> when it comes to weather and whether that's Brazil or here, it's really hard to know what the market is digesting and, and what crop size the market's trading. And so at the previous highs, you know, here a month back when we were, you know, 630 or 40 new crop corn futures, um, some of that rally was the Brazil drought. And so it's hard to know exactly, right? I, I think we, the market was trading somewhere in the in the mid ninety million ton range, maybe low ninety million metric ton range. That was seemed to be where some of the uh, lowest estimates were. Now, earlier this week, Stonex, the brokerage group here, uh, they're based out of um, Des Moines. Uh, they have a big office in Kansas City as well, but they have offices actually and uh, people on the ground in Brazil. And they were the first private estimate that I've seen publicly come in under 90 million tons. They were like 89.6. I'm not so sure that the market was trading that low of a number. I think that helped in addition to the dry uh, Dakota forecast to kind of shoot corn prices higher this week. And um, so we're going to get an update next week with the USDA uh, June crop report. And so the market will be watching that. So. That, the Brazil crop, the ultimate size of that crop, still is going to matter, and um, and it's going to be something that plays into things here. If they end up sub-90, I would think that uh, really kind of limits the downside a little bit. But then, then it transitions to our crop, and then our crop will take on more importance, right? If it stays uh, just bone dry in the Dakotas and they're going to burn up, I mean, it's supposed to be 100 degrees there in some areas of the Dakotas here. Uh, you know, today and, and uh, this coming weekend. So it's it's not just a scare. I mean, it's real deal for those guys uh, in the Dakotas. If that continues through the rest of June, uh, we got some bigger issues uh, because not only do we have to pick up the shortfall from the from the Brazil crop, but, you know, we may be, you know, ha producing our own little bit of a shortfall here in the, in the Northwest Corn Belt. And so as you get in deeper into June and first half of july our weather will really dictate things and you know some of the volatility we've seen may look pale compared to what we could see as these forecasts change and there's so many different weather models and it just happens every year you know i mean it's happening right now one has rain one has bone dry and high, high temperatures so as those and they they run those weather models at different times of the day so they come out and you know causes this big volatility when 
one ha has rain and you break corn, you know, 30 cents off the highs and then overnight take the rain back out on the next weather, weather model run. And, you know, you rally 30 cents. And, and so you're going to see more and more of that, the ultimate size of our crop and the, the precipitation patterns of the next uh, 40 to 60 days uh, really is going to be the difference between, you know, seeing corn back 450 or five bucks or seeing corn north of seven. And uh, either of those is, is possible and maybe both, unfortunately, depending on right, the, day. the forecast <laughs> and the weather. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh... It's it's crazy times right now. I mean, across the board, everything is is just crazy. And whether it's supply issues or weather, or whatever it is, man, there's just a million million variables that are that are plugging in there. And you know, to couple all that, you know, since Monday was a holiday, today they have the export report that comes out. Um, is there a lot of is there is there really that much grain left in, in the U.S. and in South America to to really pay attention to what's happening with uh, with the export report right now well that's that's the key i mean the old crop basis contract or basis levels and plan beans would tell you there's not a lot left here uh, of old crop supplies historically in the southern hemisphere brazil especially you know within the next 30 45 days you're typically running out of their production they're pretty aggressive at getting that you know Send them the export channels and and, uh, and export it out of the country. And historically, you know, within the next month or so, that dwindles. Obviously, you know, they're going to have a second crop of corn that they're going to harvest here pretty quickly. But that's been hit by drought, and and so that those supplies will be down. So the rest of the summer gets very dynamic. We haven't for a couple of weeks sold um, at least any uh, you know daily sales announcements. To China, you know, they were such a massive buyer here recently of corn. They've slowed down a little bit. So, yeah, you know, I think the export sales report probably are going to slow down a little bit. They haven't been really big from an old crop perspective anyway. We're already essentially at 100% of the USDA projections already. So any additional old crop exports really are just cutting into carryout at this point. <clears throat> and I think the weather will, will trump that, right? I, I wouldn't be surprised if the next couple of weeks the export uh, reports are, are a little uh, anemic, but the weather will trump that. And so I, I think it's uh, probably less about exports the next two or three weeks than it is about whether we're going to see normal rainfall start to develop or at least some rain in the Dakotas and the dry areas of the Western Corn Belt. And we're getting what we need over here. We've been very rainy. I mean, it's we for a month really didn't have much sunshine, and we're, we've turned the corner. We're you know mid eighties sunshine, and that's what our crop needs. We we've got a really good start here, but uh, there's a long way to go too. And corn's only you know ankle high, so we've we've got a long growing season ahead of us here. And Mother Nature better cooperate, or we've got some uh, some bigger issues because that demand base is is big. The, you know, there's just so many moving parts there as well. You know, world vegetable oil prices are skyrocketing and soy oil hit all time highs earlier this week. Palm oil, canola oil. It's, it's really, um, there's just no margin for error with the demand that we have. We have to raise big crops and, and it's, uh, it, it's critical. We do that. And 
So the next 60 days are going to be uh, a wild ride, Casey. Yes, they are. It's a wild ride in about every segment of the economy, it feels like right now. So there's uh, plenty of good stuff going on um, across the board. So, Chip, right now is a perfect example of, of what that plan needs to be and what that plan needs to look like. And if, if folks are working on that, um, what's the best way to get a hold of you to talk about what they have planned and, and kind of some some punch out points and some things to be aware of. Yeah. The best way is just, uh, just give me a call at the office. It's three zero nine five, five, zero seven, two, one, three. Uh, you mentioned it, you gotta have a plan and, and there's some crazy things happening, not just in ag, but you know, like you mentioned yeah. the entire economy, things have changed and it's more critical than ever to have that plan and execute on it. So yeah. even on the outside markets, if you look at the vol- interday volatility of just the stock market, I mean, it's crazy too. And you know, the, the swings in the dollar and all those different things. And the, the latest report coming out of whatever government agency that has to do with, you know, whether it's housing or employment or whatever it might be. I mean, there's just lots and lots of volatility just flat across the board. And it's just a, even in, even in farm equipment, you know, I track the amount of equipment that gets sold month over month and the amount of volatility within that's even crazy. So it's just, there's just a, a lot of crazy things going on right now when it comes to volatility. It sure is. It sure is. Fun times, but stressful times. You know, at least it's, uh, we've got profitability back in, uh, in, in agriculture now, but yep. that doesn't make it any easier to, to capture that profitability. You know, you want to, yep get all you can and not leave it on the table. And there's ways to do that, but it takes a plan and it takes executing that plan. And some people have said it's, it's more stressful with, with high prices now and the volatility than what they felt with low prices. At least everybody was in the same boat and it wasn't profitable and prices were depressed, but some people are finding this, this environment more stressful than a low price environment. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, good stuff as usual, Chip. Thanks for being on the podcast, man. Hey, no problem. Get uh, get ready for uh, some some fun and games this next week because I think this weather forecast next week is really going to be even more important than what we've seen this week. And so next week's podcast uh, could be another wild one. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I definitely agree with you. So, well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, go to movingironllc.com. That's where you find the entire Moving Iron Podcast uh, Library, as well as pod, or uh, as well as podcasts, as well as blog posts that I have posted there as well. Also, get all the information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, September seventeenth or fifteenth through the seventeenth. Uh, it's right downtown there at the Renaissance Hotel, right there off Broadway. Um, a lot of great speakers, a lot of good information there. So make sure you check that out. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger from Blue Fagger Marketing. Let's go with some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The reach of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. Moving on.